What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. My name is Matt Connor. You're looking at my friend, Charles Robinson, one of our wonderful contributors at AA and filling in for my man, Sterling Holmes, who's actually out today. But Charles is great. Uh, By the way, Charles, we're on the verge of July 4th. We're going live on a Monday because who knows where we'll be tomorrow. Where will you be uh, when it comes to fireworks and freedom and freedom fries, whatever's going on? Uh, I will be in my uh, mother and father-in-law's pool uh, tomorrow for most of the day. Got a big uh, annual golf outing with my brother-in-law's tomorrow morning where we'll all probably just hate our lives after we're done. Uh, It's going to be a miserable performance. It'll be 95 degrees outside, so probably far too many drinks will be consumed. Then we'll go retreat to the pool, hang out for a little while. I'll get to see how my uh, two-month-old son likes the sound of of, a constant explosions and i'll be giving my dogs uh hemp chews for their uh for their anxiety the entire night so i'll take a couple of those a lot of uh a lot of uh inebriated babysitting if i if i had to uh just kind of wrap it all into a nice package <laughs> nice well folks if you're uh, if you're listening hanging out uh first of all thanks for joining us for this special monday edition uh we are in the home stretch we are only a few weeks away this is the month that training camp begins, believe it or not. Very real football players will file into very real football spaces at Missouri State Western University there in St. Joseph. Uh, and as we prep, we got a few things to talk about today, uh, especially as we survey the offseason. And I asked Charles to come hang out with me because he's one of my favorite both writers and voices on site. Like if I have a if I have a juicy piece where I'm like, oh. I need someone just to like go to town on this thing and like really, you know, especially like if there's trash talk involved or something, Charles always does just a great job of bringing the snark as well as the excellent chief's perspective. So yeah, that's what's up today. We're going to be talking about some of our favorite moves, some of our least favorite moves and a move we would have liked to see the chiefs make sometime this off season. But before we do, we'll dive into some news. But I would be remiss if I did not say hello from our friends at FanDuel, uh, our betting partners there. Folks, if you want, we have an offer from FanDuel that you will want to take advantage of. That is responsibly so, by the way. New customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. All you have to do is click the link in the description to sign up. If you sign up for FanDuel with our link, which actually helps us a lot behind the scenes, you will not only have your first bet insured, but you will also be greatly supporting the podcast. So if you're interested in trying out FanDuel, click the link to sign up with us. This offer is only available for new customers 21 and over and physically present in most gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly and check the description for the offer's full terms. And if you already have FanDuel, you can head to arrowheadaddict.com slash bets to find out more betting offers and ways to support the podcast. So, Charles, let's dive in here. Let's dive into Chiefs news. And and look, there's not a lot of it. Like, we know that. Right now, right now Mahomes is probably on a raft in somewhere off the coast of Dubai. I don't even know if Dubai has a coast. I'm just making stuff up. Uh, But you know what else? Uh, He's also in the minds of guys like Chauncey, CJ Gardner Johnson, right? And um, I don't don't know if you saw this, but, you know, a couple hours ago, there's all this dust up about the playing surface 
from Super Bowl, you know, 47 being like too slippery. Brandon Graham comes out and says, oh, you know, like if the field wouldn't have been so slippery and then the NFL is blaming the players for wearing the wrong cleats for how slippery it was. And then here comes Garner Johnson saying more, saying like, well, if it wasn't for the slippery field conditions, like, are you glad to hear this kind of like trash talk? Like, does it make you think less of the, of the Eagles uh, or I, mean, I know he's a former Eagle, but, but yeah, like what's your take on it? I'm happy about two things here. One, as a, as an NFL blogger, specifically a chiefs blogger, it's nice to see that no one across the country has anything to talk about this time of year. So people got to have to make stuff up, fabricate stuff and bring up things that happened. You know what we're in July now. So that was five months ago when the Super Bowl happened, the chiefs have already gotten their rings. Chiefs have already had their parade. Everything's already over, but the crowd apparently so now we're going to go back to this whole turf situation and act like you know brandon graham and hassan reddick and the eagles defensive line the front four front seven for that matter we're playing on different patches of turf than the chiefs offensive line apparently so it's really incredible how you know revisionist history is a real thing so <laughs> as you kind of look back on this and say like oh well you know the the goalposts were moving for the eagles and the chiefs were just the deck was stacked against them the uh the sod father what's what's that what's the guy's name that does the turf for the super bowls i can't remember his name he was like the grounds guy for the chiefs for yeah forever. i don't recall, I don't the, recall. Son, the sod father's a great nickname so we'll just it call him great. the sod father <laughs> the sod father stacked the deck for the chiefs it was obvious the fix was in i mean especially you know like that was clear in the first half, right? I mean, when the Chiefs were down by 14, you know, that's it's obviously advantage was in their court. The second thing that I'm glad about is that, you know, going into that season opener against Detroit, there wasn't a whole lot of, of juice to be had there. There's not a real rivalry between the Lions and the Chiefs. And it's like, okay, well, maybe a few other matchups might have been a little bit better to open the season with. But now that, you know, Gardner Johnson is a Lion, there you go. There's your ammo. So, if you, you know, you, you want to... <clears throat> The best way to get an incredible performance from Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs is to get under their skin and start talking a little bit and discredit their accomplishments. So I think that's a great way for him to do that and adds a little bit of a little bit of spice to that opener. Do you think that was maybe partially the angle here that he knows he's a lion, that he knows he's first up, that these comments are well timed in the desert of NFL news? He knows we're all going to be talking about this three to five times the rate that we normally would if there was any other news out there. Do you think maybe this is fabricated in somewhat? I I I think it I think it could be, but just looking through, you know, what I you sent the you sent the tweet in our in our Slack chat or had it uh, Slack chat. So I just got on it on my phone and I'm looking through his through his Twitter feed and it could be something that's a calculated move to add a little bit of like attention to himself and you know his public profile but he doesn't look like a real calculated guy based on some of his other <laughs> tweets so I, I can't necessarily say that I fully believe that but we could certainly go with that narrative yeah hey Stacy Smith in the comments says I don't think it's fabricated he sincerely believed it negatively affected impacted the Eagles he's wrong but I believe him in fact it's not wrong to suggest the field conditions had a negative impact on them you just can't argue it only affected the eagles yeah you know that's the logical fallacy here that's just kind of staring you in the face like how do you complain about something that so obviously is is you know affecting 
it'd be one thing if you're like playing under the sun, like on one part of the field and you're having to deal with like sunlight that maybe someone else wasn't like if, if there was variances like that, but um, yeah. Well, it's like in, like in Dallas where they have that giant glass wall on one side of the stadium. And if it's just like the right time of day, like a three twenty five game brutal beaming down on you, like when you're going towards that end zone, I get that, but that's, you know, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the exact same grass that all 22 guys from each team were on the entire game. So, you know, it did, did it maybe benefit both offensive lines a little bit? Probably. But you also have to look at the fact that, you know, if it took away from the Eagles, who were the number one sack team in the NFL last year, who was the number two sack team in the NFL? The Chiefs. Chiefs. So, I mean, I get it. I understand it from a defensive guy's perspective, I guess. But I played offense my whole life, and I've always thought defensive players are just idiots. So, I mean, I, that he's he's kind of he's kind of you know adding a more more tally marks to that for me. So, if nothing else, that's the bin we place him in, just because yeah. generally speaking, defensive players are idiots. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, that's yep. funny. This brings up another thing too. The NFL is this multi-billion dollar, and I mean. Maybe even, I mean, is it upwards up up to a trillion at this point? I mean, the amount of money generated by this nonprofit organization, by the way, the, the NFL, <laughs> yeah. is massive. And yet the, the decisions that they make on some things are so beyond the pay. Like, like some of the things that they can't get right that you're thinking like, Anyone could get this right. I could, I, I could probably go ask any hourly employee in any basic business or service industry, and they would know to get some of these things right, such as consistent punishment of players for what happens, or proportional responses to the, you know, to to the violation of of the personal conduct policy or whatever. And then right. field conditions is another one. Like, let me say this very clearly: you know several years in advance where you're playing that game. Mm-hmm. Like we know today where we're playing 2026 Super Bowl, right? So if you know that, then how in the world is playing surface in that place even a talking point a- a- at all? I don't care whether, I don't care what like you've had years to decide and then and then to come up with whatever plan it's just amazing to me that like, you know, going back to the field conditions in Arizona and the opener last year for the chiefs yeah. and some of these things, I just can't believe it's 2023 and we're talking about playing surfaces in any way, shape or form. Yeah. We're talking about grass and stadiums that cost billions of dollars, teams and leagues that generate billions and billions and billions of dollars of revenue every single year. And we're talking about grass, like a, a golf course and, in Spring Hill, Kansas, that I'm going to play at tomorrow morning, is <laughs> in theory going to have a nicer turf setup than what the Super Bowl had. If what these guys are saying is true, yeah. how can that be the case? I, yeah, I, I'm with you. That's uh, I I don't know. It, it it blows my mind how, but it doesn't. It ultimately doesn't matter because the NFL is still going to put asses in seats. The NFL is still going to have every single person in the country watching on Sunday afternoons. And the Super Bowl is still going to be the most viewed sporting event like in the world every year. So, I mean, you know, they can have those slip ups and, you know, next Super Bowl 58 people forget about it. Let's look ahead to some other news here. Chris Jones recently said, I haven't had the chance to talk about this. And I don't know if you have Charles, <clears throat> but, um, you know, Chris Jones recently came out. He's like, hey. I'm going to win defensive MVP of the year next year. But as an interior lineman, it's hard for him to generate the kind of production that typically goes along with that kind of, you know, it's easier for like an edge rusher to put those kind of Mm -hmm. things up, Micah Parsons or, you know, whatever else. 
But what do you make? I mean, do you think that he's earned enough credit and credibility? Is Are the Chiefs a primetime enough team that if he does what he can do in the middle, he's going to get that credit enough over the other contenders? I, I, I think the deck is stacked. People aren't going to look at QB pressures as heavily as they are sacks. People aren't going to look at the things that aren't really on a stat sheet, like how many times a guy eats up a double team or like his just solo tackles or anything like that. Those don't pop like sacks and interceptions and, and things like that do, which is why you see you know defensive ends, edge rushers, and corners almost always take home these awards, with the exception of Aaron Donald, who is, you know, has been the best interior defensive lineman in the NFL. But I mean, if there's a, if there's a one B, it's Chris Jones. And I think the chief's brand that is, you know, over the course of the last five years and really a little bit longer than that, I, even when Alex Smith was the QB, the chief's brand started kind of ascending and, you know, they started mm-hmm. seeing more, more name recognition with players like Travis Kelsey and Tyree kill. And then Mahomes comes along and it's like, okay, well, this is a completely, <laughs> now this is like the premier brand in the NFL, you know, teams come around and try to knock them off every season. It seems like, but they're there every single year. So you're getting that name brand recognition from him being a chief. So I think that certainly helps him, but to, to think about the fact that he didn't win it last year when he had 15 and a half sacks as an interior defensive lineman, what do you have? Do you have to have 20 to win it? I mean, you have to have some sort of like record breaking or game changing season at that position. It would be, I mean, it'd be like, it's not as extreme, but it would be like, you know, can Travis Kelsey win MVP? Is Travis Kelsey the most valuable offensive player in the NFL? You could, you could, if you take out quarterbacks, you certainly could make that argument without a question. But it's like the MVP race. It's always going to be quarterbacks. Yeah. It's always going to be who has the best quarterback season. And on the defensive side, it's always going to be those sexy positions like pass rushers and corners who can put up stats, who are game changers, who may score touchdowns. You know, they guys that are, that, have the ability to fill a stat sheet and the highlight reels and things like that are the guys that are going to take that stuff home. I mean, unfortunately, Chris Jones may very well be the best defensive player in the NFL. He might be from, you know, as far as size, speed, ability, uh, in te- just football intelligence in general, the way he does impact games. I mean, you don't hear, you see more nuanced fans and analysts talk about this, but like he'll move on to every single position on the offensive line until he finds a weakness and then they key him in on that. There's no one can do that. Aaron Donald can do that. You know, J.J. Watt could do that when he was at his peak, but not many people can do that. And the fact that he should he be considered for it? Absolutely. But will he be? I I just think the precedent's already been set that those other positions are kind of at a marquee and it's going to be tough to unseed years and years and years of a precedent that's already been set. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And it's almost like one of those fluke years when like a running back or yeah. a wide receiver like wins. Adrian Peterson, right? Usually that happens when there's both the standout effort at another position and then no one else really rising. Like if it's too difficult to separate Mahomes from Burrow, from Lawrence, from Rodgers, from Herbert, like like if that's kind of just a big sea of several impressive candidates with no one really standing out. Like everyone has like 4,500 passing yards and 40 touchdowns, but no one has that 5,050, you know, like that you you could see something like if Justin Jefferson had 130 catches and 2,000 receiving yards and 20 touchdowns, he could win in a quarterback field like that for sure. Right. Yeah. At at that point that may open the door. So like if, if no one runs away with the sack title Mm -hmm. and Chris Jones, is in that group. Yeah. Zach could do it, that kind of thing. But yeah. Yeah, I'm, I would agree with that. If he has 15 and he leaves the league at 15, then. Oh, yeah. That, I think that works. But yeah, I'm with you on that one. 
By the way, the other thing, I, uh, Richie James was just profiled and in, in an interview, and he talked really highly about the Chiefs. And I just wanted to ask you, uh, he's like, what do you love about the Chiefs? He's like, everything. He just seems to love it here. Now that the room there is largely together, and that may include Hopkins, by the way, which we're not going to go there because we just don't need to go there. But, <laughs> but even right now, you have MVS – you have Justin Watson back on a two-year deal. You have uh, Rasheed Rice. You have Sky Moore. You have Kadarius Tony, And then James, kind of as wide receiver six, then maybe primary returner or, or at least a candidate to return there. As James is talking about loving everything about being in Kansas City, are you buying stock in him as a key piece of this, like of what will be the active roster? Not yet. I mean, I, I think you kind of got to you kind of got to see it work on the field first. I mean, he definitely could be. I buy that he loves it in Kansas City because the guys who are on LeBron James's team typically like playing with him. You know, <laughs> so when you when you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback, you know that your eyes get big with the potential of like, man, I could dude, I could have like you know eighty catches and a thousand yards this year when he was when he came from the Giants. Is that yeah. right? You know, like <laughs> it's like. It, it, I'm trying to think of a good analogy for going from Daniel Jones to Patrick Mahomes. There's not really, there's not really a great comparison there. But he, I, I you I mean, gotta Jones love your fine, position. But- Jones is fine. Yeah, he's not. I mean, he's, you know, he's serviceable guy, middle of the pack kind of guy. But you come to, you go from that to coming to the best quarterback in the league, and you're like, all right, well, this dude could throw me the ball left-handed behind his back on a third and seven, and I could go for 40 yards and a touchdown. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, and I think. It's twofold with with Mahomes and with Andy Reid's scheme because I think these guys know that the way they draw up plays and the way this offense is kind of formulated that they're going to get open and they know they have everyone that is at this level knows and is confident that they have the ability to get open if if they're put in the right position. So I'm sure he's pretty fired up for the opportunity. I I'm all, I'm always fairly skeptical with guys like that just because you never really know how it's going to shake out or or how position battles are going to go in camp or injuries or anything like that. But I, I would anticipate that Kadarius, Tony, MVS, Sky Moore are probably going to be more impactful to the offense at the receiver position this year than Richie James. Um, but I mean, he's, you know, he's got a shot to come in and, and, you know, make something happen. And, you know, I, I, I don't know, he's, he's kind of a gadgety kind of guy, so he could work well in our offense. I don't know. Maybe I'm selling myself on him right now. I, I don't know. I think I'm kind of talking myself Sounds into like him being a key piece <laughs> of the pie, but yeah, I, I, I'm kind of, you gotta, you know, I, I grew up in Southern Missouri, so you, you kind of got to show me before, before I buy into it. That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, you know, the theme of today's episode was all about like off-season overview. What are, what are the favorite moves that the Chiefs have made? What are our least favorite moves that the Chiefs have made? And what's a move that we were kind of hoping we'd see that we haven't seen yet and probably won't given the given that resources and time are a thing now and rosters are are mostly settled. As you look at the moves that Brett Veach made from the close of Super Bowl and and the parade to now, like what's your favorite move that Brett Veach has made this offseason? So I had to go a little contrarian here when you sent me this. My favorite thing that Brett Veach has done this offseason is not reach. And I think because like in in today's world where – you know, we, we have a platform to, to distribute our opinions to thousands of people every day if we want to, right? But Twitter and Facebook and other social media platforms give every person on the planet who wants to take the time to create an account 
a voice to t- say what they want to. And the fact that we didn't overextend and re-sign Frank Clark to a deal that I'm glad the Broncos gave him because if we would have spent $7.5 million potentially on Frank Clark, I would have thought that was a terrible deal. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we didn't go out and overextend on Laramie Tunsil, even though I did pander for that a lot right before the draft. It's probably good that we don't have that contract on our books right now, particularly if we're going to extend Chris Jones. And, you know, there's been kind of rumblings about Kelsey's pay the last week. Probably going to have to adjust Mahomes' contract at some point. Do you really want a $30 million a year left tackle on the roster with those pieces there that probably have to be accounted for later on down the line? Didn't trade away a lot of draft capital or players for DeAndre Hopkins whenever that kind of started, you know, bubbling up. So Brett Veach on brand again this offseason has not gone out and done those splashy moves, has not gone out and spent a lot of money. They kept the team with a ton of team control with the contracts that we have. They just don't overextend themselves. And the teams that do that year in and year out are disappointed with the outcomes that they get at the end of the season. Look at Buffalo last year. They went out and get Vaughn Miller. They spend all this money on guys. It's the Chargers last year. Go out and get J.C. Jackson and Khalil Mack. What'd that get them? It got them them nothing. And people want that so much for the Chiefs to go out and make these huge acquisitions and bring, bring in these great players. You've got the best quarterback in the world. You've got the best tight end in the world. And you've got a guy who is right now the probably the best head coach in the NFL. Why do you want to mess with that formula by bringing in another huge personality, another huge ego, and another huge contract? There's just not the room to do it. And if we lived in a world where, you know, the NFL was like the MLB and there were no, there is no salary cap and things like that, sure, go stack the deck. Clark Hunt can spend <laughs> all the oil money he wants on on players, but that's just not the world we live in. So I think that discipline and that, you know, that more conservative approach I mean, I think it's going to pay off again, and it has year after year. So that's that's my favorite principle, I guess, this offseason that he's kind of continued to to show. Yeah, well, that's great. I I um I mean, I agree. You know, I think we all love seeing a measured approach. If, if you're at the top of the mountain, you don't need to do a lot except make sure you can stay on top of the mountain, right? Yep. You don't need I I don't need to buy more equipment to summit something that I'm already standing on top of. Yep, and so you know, grabbing a shiny new pickaxe or I don't know, I've never climbed a mountain. What do I know about? I'm over here, like, <laughs> I'm over here picturing like free solo something, you know, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I've watched plenty of documentaries, so I know how they do it. Yeah, you, right. know? you know, like, you, you know what I'm saying? I, you know, it does. It, so yeah, I, I liked that it was measured. My favorite move was that I was actually in your, in your boat. I wasn't picking a move. I was picking a move that people predicted. I was glad to see that no major investment was made at tight end. I think I'm great with it for one more year. Yeah. This group is, you know, Travis Kelsey put up career marks last year. Mm-hmm. Noah Gray is coming into his third season where he's like, they're going to give him that hybrid role, um, you know, and filling it fullback too. You know, Jody Fortson, if he's healthy, Blake Bell, if he's healthy, you just don't need wide receivers also pretty crowded. And so if you want to carry a seventh guy there, I think that's fine. I just don't think you need like first round tight end whenever you're still kind of sort of bleeding long-term along the defensive line or when you have, Mm -hmm. when you have questions at offensive tackle. So I was glad like a third round pick went to Wanye Morris and not Sam Laporta or something. Not that those guys wouldn't be good and not that the chiefs wouldn't look great with another high level tight end but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and I think it goes, great, to, it could, but... I think it goes to what you're saying, which is there wasn't a reach. It was like Brett Veach stuck to needs 
He addressed them in a calculated way. If and when the Chiefs were ever going to be outbid somewhere, he let them be outbid. And I don't know, maybe we'll regret it if he doesn't sign Chris Jones, but clearly even with Jones, he's like, hey man, I got, we got our number. Like, are we going to do this or or not? You know, with Tyreek, it ended up not. You know, like yep. the situation changed enough that um, any goodwill was eroded away by the marketplace. But uh, yeah, that's that was my favorite move was a lack of uh, tight end. Uh, I will say this uh, over to the comments. Cole Keller says the Omenihue signing, especially because the hole left by the release of Frank Clark. Damn donkey, by the way. I love the <laughs> I love the addition there. Yeah, Omenihue looks like a smart signing, right? Like it, he's got more of a chance here with the Chiefs than ever before. I like it. Did you like that? I, I like the signing because you, you know, you replace a guy who's, you know, kind of getting closer to the end of his career in Clark with a guy who is pretty much just getting started. Omini who's what, 25 years old? Yeah. So, I mean, the youth movement has worked, worked last year at some positions on the defense. I mean, you let Charvarius Ward walk and then you bring in Trent McDuffie, right? Via the draft, obviously not signing, but I think that's something that they've obviously made an emphasis on on the defensive side of the ball is getting younger because, you know, that's that's kind of been this front office's MO from the beginning. I mean, you know, you let Justin Houston and Eric Berry go the first year that Dorsey's gone and you know that kind of set the precedent. You let Tyron Matthew go last year. You let Frank Clark walk this year. It's like, you know, it's going to keep cycling through and keep that defense young and kind of let Spags do what he does and let those guys pin their ears back and just be aggressive and go. So I think that's that's exciting because you kind of bring that same mentality and attitude the offense has to the defensive side of the ball. And if that can, if the rubber starts hitting the road there, then that's going to be a very dangerous team, which I mean, you're saying that about a team that literally just won the Super Bowl and has been to, you know, been to three of the last four Crazy. and won two of them. Well, let's turn to our least favorite moves. What, what was your least favorite move by the Chiefs this offseason? I don't, I don't love Donovan Smith. Uh, the plan with Donovan Smith at left tackle. Uh, look, he, I wrote about this in, uh, and one of my more popular pieces uh, about the uh, the four nightmare scenarios for the offense in 2023. People loved that one. That was a fan favorite. But, I mean, he missed four games last season with injury. And granted, his first couple of years in the league, he was a pretty good player. He's been banged up a little bit. And he's kind of got he's, – he's very, very, very penalty prone. He, he missed four games last year, but he was still second in the league with 12 penalties accepted for 100 yards. And – his past he's just he's not great at anything as my like if you bring in a guy who's going to be a left tackle when you let somebody like Orlando Brown Jr. walk which I think it was smart not giving him the deal that he wanted and the Chiefs ultimately came out looking like huge winners in that from last offseason whenever he wanted to be one of the, you know one of the, one yeah. of the higher paid left tackles in the game and they said no dude we're going to franchise tag you good move again Brett Beach kind of you know playing chess while everybody else plays checkers but he was Second to last in the NFL in pass block win rate last year and only had 64.9% run block win rate last year. So it's like, you can't be bad at both of those things. And I get that. <laughs> I get that, you know, the Bucks were, the Bucks had a lot of injuries at a lot of positions last year. Like at one point, I think Smith was their only starter from when the season began. In the middle of the year last year, was their only starter on the offensive line that was actually on the yeah. field. So yeah. when you've got backups next to you, that makes it tough because you could get your, I mean, you could get beat by someone who, you know, like if they're running stunts and stuff, you could beat by somebody else's man. Like they didn't even get a hand on them. He puts you in a tough position, but he also played through injury. He did play through injury, but he's, I think he's, he's a little bit injury prone at this point though. So okay. I just hope, I hope he doesn't get, I hope he doesn't get banged up. I don't like the fact that he is protecting Mahomes' blind side. I also think there's a little bit of, a little bit of a, a misnomer in the whole like, 
blindside protection aspect of Patrick Mahomes because he is so just savvy inside the pocket and he feels pressure really, really well. And I think that's actually something he's developed in the last couple of seasons because in, you know, 2020, into 2021, beginning of 2022, he kind of got a little bit, sorry, end of 2020, beginning of 2021. After that Bucks Super Bowl where he just had to run for his life yeah. all over the place. The beginning of that 2021 season when the Chiefs were three and four and looked terrible, Mahomes was very skittish in the pocket. You didn't see that last year. Yeah. I think he, one, developed a lot of confidence behind the offensive line he was behind. But two, I think he's just kind of grown into that. Like, okay, I know like that internal clock is set now. He has that down. And he has the ability to kind of like step up, improvise, make moves. And we saw him run more last year than we have really since the first Super Bowl season. So I don't think the left tackle is this sounds crazy and people will probably roast me for this, but I don't think the left tackle position is necessarily more important than the right tackle position in the chiefs offense right now as it stands. But I just don't think Donovan Smith, I mean, we signed him on a, on a one-year deal. So he's obviously not the long-term answer, but maybe a guy like Wanye Morris, the guy who gets to like sit back and take the Pat Mahomes approach and watch a veteran do it for a year and then gets his crack next year. Maybe that's the answer long-term, but I just don't know. We didn't pay a lot of money for him, which is good, but I just don't know if I like that at left tackle this year. No, I, I get it. I, th- I think a lot of people would have liked to see something different mm-hmm. there or maybe even letting the kids get a chance. I also understand Veach's mindset of, well, the kids will have a chance, but they also got to play through some veterans if they want to if mm-hmm. they want to claim that spot. So, uh, and what what's left to pick in early May, you know, at the position. So yeah. I get some of that. My, my least favorite move uh, was actually bringing back Derek Naughty. Nothing personally against Naughty, and if he was brought back as a part-time run defender, fine. But I'm just picturing him slotting again in the base defense. Down on all fours, just trying to like make a pile. Like, I mean, I get there's value to that, but man, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Knowing that the Chiefs tried to get Mozzie Smith from Michigan mm-hmm. by trading up in the first and unable to come away with any like high-end prospect there that like that there was a settling of sorts and look we all hope that felix turns into a great pro i mean like i think his mo you know his motor is going to remind people of tamba i think he's going to be a great professional kid through and through i think he's just going to be all things positive on the field but the ceiling there especially with the need i loved the idea of going to get deontay banks which was one rumor uh the corner and then the other going up and getting uh, when that failed, then going up and getting Mozzie Smith when the Cowboys were on the clock. I'm going to be following Smith closely with the Cowboys because, you know, for me, he was, you know, my favorite. I was rooting for that. And there's there's always just going to be this woulda, shoulda, coulda. You know, it takes two to tango. There wasn't someone else. The Chiefs couldn't tango. It's no one's fault. But then to go from that to, well, all we did at the position was bring back Naughty. It just makes me think, oh, I, I'm even right now, I'm crossing my fingers going, Sign Shelby Harris. Sign <laughs> Shelby Harris. Like, like, do something else. Do something else at the position. You know, that Shelby Harris signing would be very interesting and pretty poetic because he was part of the Russell Wilson deal for yeah. Denver. So yeah. if we signed Shelby Harris and then again beat the Broncos two more times, which seems like a given every single year now. But that would just be, I mean... That'd be great. If, like if we if say Shelby Harris has a couple sacks on Russell Wilson, it's like man, good trade, guys. That was great. Love it. Well, let me ask you this: as we uh, as we kind of near the end of things here, I, what's the move that you wish the Chiefs would have made 
this offseason? I feel like I already gave away my hand with my answer on the on the last one. But, <laughs> but for you, what's the move that you wish you would have seen from Brett? Is it at left tackle in some way that left you unsatisfied? It is. It's at left. It's just like fortifying the offensive line a little bit better than what they did. I think whether it was finding a way, I mean, I know I'm contradicting myself here from my, you know, my favorite thing with him not going and making like a big splash move, but finding a way to make a Laramie Tunsil deal work or finding a way to trade up in the draft. <laughs> you are and contradicting I, yourself here. I can't let go. I can't let go of it. But to try, try and figure out some way to I, – I think after the Tunsil deal didn't go down, I kind of bought into the fact that I think we should have tried to trade up in the draft to take one of the left tackles that went in the first round. But at the same time, I mean, that's so out of the Chiefs' control because you people don't want to play ball with the Chiefs anymore. Yeah, People do not want to deal – with Kansas City because all we do, I mean, we're, I mean, people, everyone's trying to knock us off. So name a team that anyone that has prospects of like trying to compete year in and year out is not going to deal with Kansas City because we're there every single year. So maybe that answer is, maybe that answer is still out there that if it's, you know, if I shift from one thing to the next, left tackle, I go to wide receiver, right? Because I do think there's still a little bit to be desired in the wide receiver room. I mean, there's a lot of talent in there, but there's not a lot of proven talent in there. There's no, this first time since 2015 that we've come into a season without anyone who's won an all pro or who's been, sorry, has been in a pro bowl in the wide receiver room. No pro bowlers. And the last, in 2015, the last time that we were in that position was the first year with Jeremy Macklin. So, and I think we were coming off of the season where no, that was either the season that or the season after that we had no wide receivers catch a touchdown all year yeah. long. So we're we're approaching desertous type wide receiver, <laughs> you know, production coming into this year. Now, not to say that's how it's going to be after this season because we saw it last year too. Juju had made a Pro Bowl before, but I mean, they still did okay. But maybe that maybe the D Hop deal is a little bit less expensive now that he's been been out there for a while. Doesn't have a team now. I think the most recent thing I read that he's most likely to sign with the Titans or for the Patriots, which it, if it's all about money for him, then yeah, you can go do that. That's fine. But I mean, you're going to be, you know, six and 11 or seven and 10 probably. And like, you know, I, I guess these guys got to go get their money when they can. But at the same time, you got to think a guy like DeAndre Hopkins at this point in his career kind of wants some hardware. So maybe maybe a team-friendly deal is out there for that. That would be fantastic if that happened. But I, I'm still a little bit still a little bitter that nothing nothing better happened at left tackle sure. or right tackle or either one. I think Juwan Taylor will be fine at right, but, you know, there's still two underwhelming signings on the bookends of the offensive line. That's what I wish we would have done a little bit better on. Early Cole, earlier in the broadcast, Cole Keller commented, the Taylor contract could prove to be an overpay. Are you worried about that? Um, maybe. I mean, it's $20 maybe. million. He, yeah, I mean, that, that's expensive. Especially when you look at what you had last year and Andrew Wiley and what he gave you. Wildly inconsistent. At times looked terrible, but he didn't give up a sack in the Super Bowl. Now, granted, he was playing, they were playing on on an ice rink, but, you know, he was just really good at skating backwards. So that's that's good for him. But it, it definitely could be. But I think, you know, in a couple of years when every right tackle is getting paid $26 million, are we going to think it's an overpay? I mean, it seems like the way the contracts are going, I mean, yeah, you crazy. know, you give it two years and it's going to look like a deal. It's like the Mahomes deal. Whenever Mahomes got signed, people were like, holy shit, a quarterback's making this kind of money. Now he's criminally underpaid. Right. And that was three seasons ago. Right. So, it doesn't take long. Time moves fast in the NFL. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. And I have a few things I think I could come up with here, but I, uh, you know, I'll stick with what I said earlier, which is something better at defensive tackle. 
you know, and doesn't have to be a, even a Shelby Harris something. But, you know, I, I just I think Turk Wharton coming back from injury is is big there. I, I think not, you know, Naughty's had four straight seasons of declining snap percentage mm-hmm. year after year. The Chiefs keep going. Yeah, let's use that guy less and less. And less and less. I, you know, so at this point, it's like, how has he not slipped off the roster? I, I don't quite get that. If you're, if you're not using him in that way, and especially after a couple of experimental moves you saw last year with like Danny Shelton and Brandon Williams, like we know you're trying to get better at the position, right? So why not? I mean, why not do that, or at least make a little bit more of an effort to do that in the off season where you generally move and shake the most? Brandon Williams as a early 30s big guy walked in off the street and yeah. played meaningful snaps for a Super Bowl champ <laughs> yeah. at the position. If you yeah. want to know how big the opening is for someone to do something at defensive tackle, that's it. I know a lot of guys can pl- can can play inside on passing downs and and do some of that. We you know we talk about the NASCAR package and Mike Dana can slip inside and Chris Jones can 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 move around all you know whatever. But um Ominihue will be able to play the same kind of role still. I think there's room there for a, a much higher ceiling than what we've seen in a long time there in terms of run defense and and shoring up one of the few weaknesses on a team that that should go all the way again uh, this year. Yeah. Well, a little bit of devil's advocate too. The linebacking core looks the best that it's looked Shoot. since Andy Reid's been here. So yeah, I, I almost said Drew Tranquil as as my favorite. Yeah, I know that's that honestly is a big miss uh, from from both of us because Drew. I mean, you had it on your mind. I didn't even think about it. Drew Tranquil, Drew Tranquil being on that in that linebacking core, and then year two of Chanel with Gay and Bolton. I yeah. mean. Maybe you're not as worried about the defensive line with a group like that behind them. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if if Chanel turns into that situational rusher mm-hmm. that that many predicted him to be. Yeah, well, it's gonna be a lot of fun. It's gonna be a lot of fun. That's for sure. Watching this unit unfold. Yeah. Hey, by the way, we rarely have you on the show, so I'm not sure if we'll get to hear a preseason projection from you. But do you have like a record, like a predicted record for the regular season Chiefs this year? I can't remember. I think we I think we did this on the schedule reveal show. I don't remember what I said. I think I'm going 14 and I think I feel confident about 14 and three again. Okay. I just, the schedule is going to be tough, man. There's especially that, that, uh, that back half of it, but 13 and four, 14 and three, I think is probably where we'll end up. I think that's, I think that's actually reasonable. It yeah. sounds weird to say that a team could be 14 and 14 and that's, that's reasonable. That's not being hard. Right. But yeah, I, I get it. Well, Hey, we've reached the, the part of our show, which we call the muscle. Charles, are you ready for this, by the way? I'm prepared. All right. Well, <laughs> if you're uh if you're a, a fan of the show, been with us for a long time, one, we appreciate it, but two, you know, that it's time for the must list. It's uh that part of the show where we recommend really kind of anything. I've recommended all kinds of random things in the past, but we do this with our esteemed producer, Richard. Richard, are you there? I'm here. How's it going, gentlemen? Richard has a good one. I saw yeah, Richard's pre-show. It's, it's going to be... It's Oh, you did? Steamed. Richard, you're looking good, man. Did you get a haircut? I did. I've, I, I cut, Guys, Whoa. I cut, cut the hair for the viewers, for the Whoa. listeners, especially. Do a whole, uh, do a whole head flop. <laughs> I can do this. I'll do that. I'll just hold, I'll hold all the hair. Right here in oh, camera. So for the for the what? podcast listeners, I'm holding about five, right. five ponytails, nine inches each. We're going to donate this to, to Hair We Share. So, yeah. Good for you, man. That's good awesome. for you. Yeah. I could sell this right now and it'd probably get a good hunk of money, but we're not. <laughs> hey, looking good, man. Thanks, man. I asked him for the Keanu. I think they gave me the Ted. Like they, I wanted John Wick and they gave me <laughs> Ted from Bill and Ted. So... 
a little a little younger version of the Keanu timeline. But hey, oh well. man, Ted, Ted would be cooler to hang out with than John Wick. So exactly, time machine, big closet of guns. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, I love it. What's funny is when you said Ted, I either thought the teddy bear, okay, from that movie, or I thought of the Unabomber. <laughs> I, I thought that too. I was <laughs> Ted Kaczynski. All right. I know. I was like, is it? Uh, yeah, we need more famous Ted's so that one of the first ones is not a, a terrorist on our list. But anyway, Roosevelt, man, yeah, nice haircut, man. This Thanks, is, uh, appreciate it. Yeah. By the way, does it feel better for summer? Oh God, yes. I mean, that's that's like three pounds of hair in a bag right now, and that's that's off of my head. So I'm feeling I'm feeling great. That's crazy. New lease on life. Well, why don't why don't you bring us into the must list since you're freshly freshly buzzed. <laughs> yeah, what do you what do you call I'm it? I'm not buzzed, but I'm freshly buzzed. You're straight, yeah. groomed. You're very groomed. groomed yeah. Right? yeah. I've managed groomed. the main. Yeah, totally. All right. Well, it's 4th of July weekend, guys. Uh it's it's Independence Day, and I thought what's what'd be a great recommendation other than a band that has technically one British person and two Americans. We're going to recommend America. Uh, I, I forgot that this was technically a British band because they, 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 they formed on a, a, a U.S. Air Force base. So let's let's get that straight. It's a U.S. Air Force base. But we're going to recommend America, uh, you know, because you want we want some soft rock, some pop rock, you know, some folk rock listening on a on a Fourth of July week, hanging out, barbecuing, listening to Horse With No Name. That's a, that'd be a really dour song maybe you can listen to i need you with your partner and do a little slow dance in front of the the grill um but i love america uh the country and the band uh, so yeah. <laughs> that's straight uh so yeah i love america i do uh dan jerry dewey dewey is such a great name too so yeah check out america if you haven't listened to america i love them they're a great band do they do sandman they I do. They do. You've been running from the man, the man that goes by the name of the same man. man. They got Ventura Highway. That's that's oh, a great that's one. So oh, good. That's the one where you can get all the all the family dancing at the barbecue. Um, yeah, it's, they're a great band. Totally. It's it's some classic listening. So yeah, check out America if y'all haven't. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in on that. Charles, are you in on America? The musical I'm in, version. I am in on America. The musical version and the uh, and the republic for which we stand. Beautiful. <laughs> well said. Well said. Uh, what about? Let's go to our guest for the day, Charles. What's your uh, what's your must list, my friend? So my must list, uh, very Fourth of July theme, is uh, firework safety. Everyone who is going to shoot off your own <laughs> bottle rockets, M80s, Husker Doos, Husker Dance, uh, whistling kitty chasers, with or without the scooter sticks, whatever you're gonna do, make sure you're safe. Come back home if you're if you're at home. Go back inside with all your fingers. If you're going to be away from your house, go back home with all your fingers. Don't shoot fireworks into your neighbor's garages like my father and my mother and father-in-law's idiot neighbor who's done that three years in a row. Please, I beg you. I don't know your name. Don't try to kill your neighbors. Don't blow your own fingers off. Don't do anything stupid this 4th of July. Have Be safe. Be responsible. Have fun. Enjoy the show and remember what it's all about. America, the band. Mm, it's all about America, the band. You know, I was going to do something different for my must list, but everyone's keeping to the holidays. My must list. I'll do this. My must list for the day will be bedtimes. I recommend going to bed at mm. a reasonable hour mm. so that you're not my neighbor at 2 a.m. setting off fireworks because somehow he still has something left over despite <laughs> having made them go off all night long every pet is like mortified in the whole neighborhood because the one guy just can't get enough of there's always yeah. that guy there's always that guy oh yeah 
who went way, he, I don't know. He, he's like been dreaming of Roman candles since January 1st. Oh, and he's yeah. just got to go there. Just keeps know. an arsenal in his garage all year round. Something. He's like, like a fireworks prepper. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, that, and I, I, as, as one of the people who, as I mentioned at the top of the show, anxious dogs with fireworks, which is probably 90% of dog owners. One of my dogs, a 13 year old basset hound named Frank, he's got a heart murmur. If my neighbors are watching Frank. this, keep that in mind, man, Frank, we can't have anything tragic happen to Frank on the 4th of July. So let's please shut the fireworks off at 11 PM. I think, you know, everyone's got to go to work on Wednesday. Nobody wants to be up until three in the morning listening to Jim Bob's, you know, sparkler bombs going off. So let's just be, I like that, Matt. Let's just be responsible and consider it. Well, this is like a great must list. It's like America safety bedtimes. I like it. All right. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> you can tell, you can tell we're all like certainly entering old. our middle age. Yeah. We're like 35 years old. We got a two month old kid. I'm like, let's just go, let's be safe and go to bed early guys. Love it. Love it. Uh, well, folks, first of all, if you're listening, we wish you all a great and happy and healthy 4th of July. Hope everyone's able to get away. Take to the water, take to your families, take to friends, whatever it is. But uh, yeah, hope you enjoy the day and uh, find some time just to relax and rest from the rhythms of summer. Um, also, just so appreciate anyone listening to us and hanging out. If you uh, see that thumbs up button, click that. That would be a big help. And go ahead and subscribe to the channel on YouTube. That's just always a big help. But on behalf of myself and Richard and our special guest, Charles Robinson, by the way, if you're on Twitter and want to back him up, by the way, if Twitter still exists after this podcast or whatever's <laughs> happening, whatever's happening to Twitter, if it, if it doesn't wreck the whole thing, make sure to give our pal Charles a follow at crob5769 that's a lot of numbers but trust me it's all worth typing in because charles is funny as hell i'll say it that <laughs> way uh so thank yeah you. on behalf of charles on behalf of richard myself thanks so much for hanging out with us and until next time go chiefs <laughs>